0: Welcome to A Course in Miracles, Living the Love, Walking the Talk, with Rev. Jennifer Hadley. Get ready to focus on your intent to be the love, be the peace, through practical application. Here is your host, Rev. Jennifer Hadley. Bonjour. Bonjour. Ah oh, coming to you from beautiful Lincoln Vermont so so beautiful here and our topic today is what is justice which is taken from the manual for teachers chapter 19 which is entitled what is justice seems appropriate for what's going on in the world right now and I've never spoken about this before. So let's let's do this. Let us do this. Ah. <sighs> so let's begin with a prayer. I place my hand on my heart and I am truly grateful and truly thankful to open myself to the fullness of love. This is what we are calling forth, the fullness of love in our hearts. In our minds, in our experience, we are truly grateful and truly thankful to open ourselves to the unprecedented, to the unlimited, to the wisdom of pure spirit, the guidance of pure spirit. Holy Spirit, we surrender. Any sense of lack or limitation, any sense of upset, we're surrendering it and laying it on the holy altar fire of divine love right here, right now. We are truly grateful to open ourselves to an unprecedented experience of healing and transformation. We are grateful and thankful to know, to recognize, to remember that our life, is a life of love. In gratitude, we let it be. In gratitude, we know it's done, and so it is. Amen. 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 Yes. (laughs) So grateful. So grateful to join with you now. So grateful that we can share. Because I, I do feel... Oh, we could call it intuitive communication. Somebody might call it telepathic. I don't want to split hairs on it. it. doesn't matter to me. But people often tell me, I was just thinking of a question and you answered it. And I feel that. And it's one of the ways that I've come to experience that there is no time or space, that we are all a collective that is occurring, happening now, that our life is happening now the eternal now moment. So let's look at divine justice here from the Manual for Teachers. I often recommend that people who are new to A Course in Miracles sit with the Manual for Teachers because it's much more concise and in many ways can seem to have more clarity. Also the glossary of terms. So chapter 19 in the Manual for Teachers, what is justice? And justice is a topic that's in the news right now. Uh, Extraordinary things happening in the world. I, I never thought I'd see lynchings happening again in the United States. It is extraordinary what is going on. It is It is profound, the level of turmoil and upset that is being brewed right now. It feels like a combination between the coronavirus, the lockdown, the death of the body, uh, the level of fear-mongering, The loss of life, the loss of jobs, the loss of money and businesses, so much intensity and density. And then to add to it outright brutality, it's an unprecedented amount of insanity in my lifetime that's going on right now. I feel very grateful that I can be here in the green mountains of Vermont where the birds and the trees are, it's not that they don't know, they don't feel that something's going on, uh, but that I do feel removed from the intensity of the turmoil. But I will say I'm talking with people every day who are feeling uh, intensely upset, traumatized, uh, frightened, worried, concerned, and people also who are ready and willing to take action, spiritual action, and be spiritual activists like I am, and would like to take loving, compassionate action. So I think that's one of the reasons why Spirit guided me to look at this, What is Justice? So let's just dive right into it here. Justice is the divine correction for injustice. Justice is the divine correction for injustice. Injustice is the basis for all the judgments of the world. And you know me, I'm constantly talking about judgment as being the tool that the ego thought system employs in order to bring about this experience of separation. It is our judgments and our opinions that we hold and cherish in our mind, that we torture ourselves with, and others, we torture others with them, that this is what keeps us in this experience of believing in separation, feeling separation, making separation seem so real. So justice corrects the interpretations to which injustice gives rise and cancels them out. Justice is the divine correction for injustice. Injustice is the basis for all the judgments of the world. So you could also easily say from that that all the judgments of the world... Bring injustice. And surely that is true. Justice, which is the divine correction, corrects the interpretations to which injustice gives rise and cancels them out. Neither justice nor injustice exists in heaven. For error is impossible, and correction meaningless. In this world, however, forgiveness depends on justice, since all attack can only be unjust. Justice is the Holy Spirit's verdict upon the world. Except in his judgment, justice is impossible, for no one in the world is capable of making only just interpretations and laying all injustices aside. So I'd like to, to, to look at this for a moment here before we go back. In God's judgment or the Holy Spirit's judgment, justice is impossible, right? Because it's <laughs> there is no injustice, right? For no one in the world is capi- capable of making only just interpretations and laying all justice- injustices aside. I find that helpful. No one in the world is capable of making only just interpretations and laying all injustices aside. No one in the world is capable of Of living without judgment. Now this is something that I realized a bunch of years ago. It's just not possible. It's not possible. So yes, I'm going to have judgments every day. And those judgments are going to be based on my beliefs, which are false. So no one in the world is not going to be subject to some false beliefs. And those false beliefs are going to be the root cause of judgments. And those judgments are going to be the cause of upset. And so every time there's an upset, there's an opportunity to dissolve more false beliefs. But we will not come to the end of it in our lifetime, in our human experience. We will not come to it. So even in, so what I take from this is even an enlightened person in the world, which I don't claim to be, even an enlightened person like a Buddha or Jesus walking in the world, someone who's born into this world and having a human experience in a human body is going to have some judgments, some false beliefs, some sense of misperception. I find that helpful to know because then when I recognize, oh, I just feel, I feel annoyed right now, I can say, well, I'm having a human experience, so I've got misperceptions, I've got judgments, I've got opinions, I'm intent on healing them, I'm intent on relinquishing the false beliefs and living without them. But I'm not failing just because I have judgments. It's part of the human experience. No one in this world is capable of making only just interpretations and laying all injustices aside. If God's son were fairly judged, there would be no need for salvation. The thought of separation would have been forever inconceivable. So, And the thought of separation, it's not bad nor good. It is simply something that we're experimenting with. It's not bad nor good. But it is the cause of pain and suffering. And we are exploring in this world through pain and suffering. But we don't have to. We can learn through joy and we're moving in that direction one of the things we see is the same patterns and teachings repeated and repeated and repeated and repeated and repeated right why are they repeated so often because it's the repetition that helps us finally see it so for instance we see in our physical experience of the human body we see things like pimples And boils and cysts and things that will become inflamed and infected and burst, right? And then when that happens, there's the possibility that there could be a healing and that all sense of dysfunction around that pimple, that cyst, that boil or whatever it is would be long forgotten. It would be completely healed over, right? I know when I was a teenager, I had issues with pimples. I, But I don't remember, oh, this pimple, that pimple. I, I don't have any memories of them at all. I just remember I had pimples, and it bothered me at the time. So we can move to this recognition that it doesn't have to be this way. We can dissolve and resolve things working with the Holy Spirit, But many times we choose not to. We wait until there's an eruption. We keep poking it, touching it, poking it like a a sore tooth, right? When you're a kid and your teeth are falling out of your head, you start, you notice, oh, this, this tooth is a little wobbly. And then you keep wobbling it, wobbling it, wobbling it, right? You keep touching it. Oh, it hurts. Oh, it hurts. It hurts. It hurts. You keep touching it and touching it, right, until it falls out, right? And the new tooth grows in but it doesn't have to we don't have to experience the healing spiritual work at the level of the mind in the same way so justice corrects the interpretations to which injustice gives a rise so injustice is the basis for all the judgments of the world let's let's look deeply into this in this world Forgiveness depends on justice. Since all attack can be unjust. So what is justice again? Divine correction. So forgiveness, which depends on justice. Justice is divine correction. So forgiveness depends on divine correction. And in my experience with forgiveness in my own life and helping, I don't even know how many people to learn to truly forgive. When we truly forgive, it is miraculous. We've had a shift in our mind. That's what true forgiveness is. We've let go of our attachment to our perceptions, our misperceptions, our projections, our opinions, our judgments. And the healing become systemic because the judgment was systemic right systemic is a word that's being used a lot right now saying that injustice is systemic yes so justice is systemic in our minds injustice rather is systemic in our minds and we see it projected onto the world If we have a belief that we're not good enough, if we have a belief that we're not as good as someone else, we're going to project that onto the world and we're going to start saying, they're not as good as someone else. They're not as good as me. I'm not as good as them. Systemic. From our mind to the world. Boom. So, Justice is the divine correction for injustice. In the world as it is now, with so much intensity and density, it is really not possible to calculate what justice for people would be. It's not possible. For all the people that have been affected by negatively affected by racism, sexism, ageism, all these different things, classism, to be able to calculate the effects of the injustice, to make reparations, impossible. It's impossible. Yet, that doesn't mean we don't make an effort. right? doesn't mean we don't make an effort. I said, uh, I was talking with a friend yesterday and I said something I'd been thinking about for a few weeks. And that is that I, when the Me Too movement erupted and Harvey Weinstein was exposed and Matt Lauer and Charlie Rose and um, Roger Ailes, and all this explosion of um, illuminating these practices these men had in their workplace of abusing women. And I wrote and shared about my some of my experiences of being molested and attacked. Um, by boys and men. I don't recall any man saying to me, a friend, or any man saying to me, making a point of going out of their way and saying to me, Jennifer, I can see now with this Me Too movement how you've been affected your whole life by sexism and men's abuse and you've mentioned that you've been uh, groped and molested and attacked and uh, sexually and i just like to say I'm so sorry that happened to you. I'm so sorry that this is something you've had to deal with most of your life. You know, on behalf of my gender, I'd like to say thank you for forgiving us. And while I haven't done anything like that, I am sorry that you have had to suffer through this. So I didn't need that. But I do remember thinking at the time, it's interesting, I'm not hearing any of that from men. Why? I think because generally people feel guilty. They don't know what to say. It's a common thing you might be aware of that when someone close to, to people dies, uh, the body dies, because uh, there is no death, uh, but the body dies, and they, they lose their child, they lose their spouse, they lose their parent, their friend. Many times, people who are quite close to that person don't know what to say, so they don't say anything. And they may even hide because they feel so incapable of addressing what's going on effectively or being truly helpful. They feel at a loss. They feel inadequate. They feel incapable. No one's trained them for that moment, no one has modeled for them what to do in that moment. Totally understandable, right? So that's why I try and tell people the appropriate thing to say is something like, I am so, so sorry. I am so, so sorry. I love you. I care about you. I am really sorry you're going through this now. God bless you. You are in my prayers. That's all you need to say. And many times it's not even helpful to say, how can I help you? Because the person who's overwhelmed with their grief and their suffering, which is happening right now to so many people, they've lost their jobs, they've lost their loved ones, they've lost their income, they've lost their businesses, they've lost their sense of uh, anchor in life. Many people are going through this, especially people who don't have a spiritual practice. You can just reach out to them. If you are a, as Corinne Zepko has been sharing and other, others have shared because she's been taught that, to say if you're in a white body and you have friends who are in bodies of color, people of color, coworkers, neighbors, just go over to them and say, I'm sorry, I'm learning about how systemic racism affects people, and I'm sorry. I would like to make a difference. And I want you to know I care. Boom. You don't ask, have to ask them for help. Because that's the thing. The grieving person, the person who's in pain and suffering. Like, if some, you know, you're, you're having a terrible time. Somebody died. You're, you're just grieving. You're out of your mind with grief. Somebody says, how can I help you? It's, it can feel like this. It's like, okay, I'm having the worst day of my life. And now I have to stop what I'm doing to help you figure out how to help me. No, get away from me. I can't. I can't help you now. I can't. Don't make me try to help you now. Come on, people. I'm suffering, right? So we don't ask them, how can I help you? You just start helping, right? That's why people just bring food. They don't say, what do you need? You need a casserole? You need some cookies? You need, what do you, no, just bring food. Don't make it another part-time job for them to figure out how you can be helpful so you can feel better. Just see how you can help, right? You, you, if you need to, I'm sure you can Google things, how to help a person who just lost a loved one. You know, maybe you can ask somebody who lost a loved one five years ago, what would have helped you then? What can I do to help my friend now? Right? So it's like that. And there's a lot that people of um, in white bodies can do right now to educate themselves. To educate themselves. And just do me a favor. Even if you believe it to your core, do not say to people, you know me. I'm not a racist. Please don't say that. Please. Please, please, please. It's, it's a bigger conversation, but... Remember, injustice is the basis for all the judgments of the world. A fundamental injustice. And, no one in the world is capable of making only just interpretations and laying all injustices aside. So, It's okay that we're doing the best we can. We can love and have compassion for each other. Compassionate listening is really one of the main things we've got right now. But it's not enough. It's not enough. We must also take action. And compassionate listening is action. But it's not enough. It's not enough. Oh my gosh, it's time for me to take a break. Ah, I'm Jennifer Hadley. You're listening to A Course of Miracles on Unity Online Radio, where we're living the love, we're walking the talk, and I'll be right. Thank you for tuning in for A Course in Miracles, Living the Love, Walking the Talk. Welcome back. Welcome back. We're talking about divine justice and what is justice. And it's such a potent topic right now with all the exposure of injustice in the world. Course in Miracles teaches us to seek not to change the world, but to change our mind about the world, and also Jesus tells us that we are here only to be truly helpful. That's it. Only to be truly helpful, and that we don't have to wonder what to say or do or anything like that, because the one who sent us, the one we're here to represent or represent is going to guide us and lead us. So the, the, the thing is for us to be alert to, are we getting guidance to go somewhere, to do something and not doing it right. So seek not to change the world, but to change our mind about the world. So Here's how I work with that, because I think there's a lot of misunderstanding in the Course of Miracles community that means just don't do anything, don't take action in the world. But Jesus is not saying don't take action in the world. Jesus, in his last human incarnation, he took action in the world. He went all over the place. He was constantly teaching, right? fishing for students and teaching and leading constantly. He was taking action in the world. When the uh, woman who was accused of adultery was going to be stoned to death, Jesus didn't say, I'm just going to change my mind about this and have good thoughts about it. No, no, he didn't. He said something. If you see something, say something. And he knew exactly what to say that would prov- be so thought-provoking that everyone there, and he could say it with such authority, that everyone there would put down their rock and go home. We have the same mind. And this is what I was talking about last week. Jesus says to us, if you want to be like me, I will show you. So let's just say, Jesus, I'd like to be like you and let divine justice, divine correction for injustice operate through me. Let me be a vehicle for that in my family, in my workplace, in my home, in my neighborhood, in this world. Let my consciousness be corrected so that i can be an avenue for divine correction and an avenue for the end of injustice in this world what else are we going to do come on what else is there right we're not here to to make things no we're here to be truly helpful And represent the one who sent us. So every day, we can begin our day with, how can I best represent the one who sent me today? How can I be that representative? Now, back to chapter 19, what is justice in the manual for teachers, paragraph 2? Justice, like its opposite, is an interpretation. It is, however, the one interpretation that leads to truth. So justice is the divine correction for injustice, and justice is an interpretation. It is, however, the one that leads to truth. This becomes possible because, while it is not true in itself, justice includes nothing that opposes truth. So justice and injustice are both interpretations. This is what he's saying. Because that's what this world is about, right? It's all a projection. It's a holographic projection. And so everything in this world is symbolic. And our experience is completely about our interpretation. When we're feeling joyous which is different than happy in my book, when we're feeling joyous, we're tuned into the highest interpretation we're seeing with God's eyes. When we're unhappy, we're seeing through the lens of our interpretation, which is based on our false beliefs. Okay. So, Justice is the one interpretation that leads to truth. So justice isn't necessarily truth. It's an interpretation. He says here that justice is the one interpretation that leads to truth. And this becomes possible. So the leading to truth becomes possible because... While it is not true in itself, so the, the interpretation is not true in itself, justice includes nothing that opposes truth. So we might still be interpreting things through our perspective, but that interpretation, if it's just, will not be in opposition to truth. It just won't be the same as truth. So let's, let's just see if we can discern what the heck this means. So truth is we're all one. An interpretation of that would be something like, um, I am connected to my, my brother. Well, that's true too. It's not true, but it's not the same as all is one. I think that's the best I can do right now. He says, there's no inherent conflict between justice and truth. One is but the first small step in the direction of the other. The path becomes quite different as one goes along. Nor could all the magnificence, the grandeur of the scene, and the enormous opening vistas that rise to meet one as the journey continues be foretold from the outset. So he's signaling to us that if we move in the direction of justice and truth, we will be given this experience of magnificence and grandeur, enormous opening vistas that will rise to meet us, On the journey. Yet, even these, these wonderful experiences we'll be having, whose splendor reaches indescribable heights as one proceeds, fall short indeed of all that wait when the pathway ceases and time ends with it. But somewhere must one start. Justice is the beginning. So, if we, right now, right now, right now, right now, right now, make a decision, power of decision, we employ the power of decision and we decide that we are interested in divine correction, divine justice, and we would like to be representing the one who sent us and advocating for the end of injustice and... A full realization of truth, because truth is higher than just justice. Justice is still an interpretation. So let us, uh, this is my thing. I I don't need to settle for being happy. I would like to have a full realization of the Christ in my awareness and live from that place. Happiness is not enough for me. I cannot settle for feeling peaceful and happy. I can't. I've got to keep going. I can't settle for the end of injustice. I am interested in this vista. I'm interested in the magnificence and the splendor which is beckoning to us. So let's work together to represent the one who sent us. And let's work together at the level of the mind so that we are clear and we're clearly energizing that we can dedicate our lives to this, right? We can dedicate our lives, no matter what we're doing, whether we're building a factory, whether we're raising a family, whether we're planting gardens, whatever we're doing, teaching classes, Uh, working in a bank, whatever we are doing, we are consciously saying, my life is the life of God. I am here to represent the one who sent me. I will be weeding my garden today. I'm weeding the garden of my mind today. I'm looking for the injustice that I have agreed to and become inured to. We become inured to violence. We become inured to racism, injustice, and sexism. And we don't say anything because we feel guilty. And if we start saying something, we're going to be more acutely aware of the guilt. But how would the guilt ever be dissolved and resolved if we don't bring it to the light? Can't happen. Won't happen. Doesn't happen. So I'm going to invite you right now to turn within. And think of one person, one person in your life that you feel and know has been treated in an unjust way. It might be your Congress person. It might be someone who owns a store in your area. It might not be a family member or a friend or somebody you've ever spoken to before. But you can say to them, I am sorry that you have experienced this injustice. And I have recognized that I have contributed to it, and now I am being intentional. So last week I was saying I, you know, I will absolutely own that I have been racist unintentionally, and and perhaps intentionally that I don't even remember. I blocked from my awareness. I don't even realize that it's intentional. I'm willing to openly say, yeah, that could be me for sure. Because my path of liberation is one of truth-telling. The truth is my friend. It's never my enemy. The truth is always my friend. And it's completely likely that my perception is I'm not a racist. Racism is so ingrained. Sexism is so ingrained. Ageism is so ingrained. Classism is so ingrained. Elitism, so ingrained. Discrimination, so ingrained. I know I have perpetuated it. I I can't imagine that I haven't. It doesn't seem possible or plausible. So let me just admit, okay, I've contributed to this, and now I am interested in not being unintentional anymore. I'm interested in being highly intentional and representing the one who sent me. So I must do something, say something. If you see something, say something. Do something. I know a bunch of Course in Miracles people are going to be like, don't make the world real. Don't make it real. This isn't making it real. We are here to represent the one who sent us. We will be guided what to say and what to do. This is our path of healing. We learn to heal and we share. And as we share, we learn more about healing. If we don't share, how are we going to learn about healing? So, justice is the beginning. Somewhere one must start. See how Yoda (laughs) and Yoda speaks like uh, A Course in Miracles. (laughs) But somewhere one must start. So we're starting with justice. He says, paragraph three now, all concepts of your brothers and yourself, all fears of future states, and all concerns about the past stem from injustice. Whoa. Whoa. All concept of your brothers and yourself. Think of that. All concepts of yourself stem from injustice. Here, here, is the lens which, held before the body's eyes, distorts perception and brings witness of the distorted world back to the mind that made the lens and holds it very dear. Right? So think of someone who's very actively racist, right? They have these beliefs. These are the lens. They hold them very dear. They hold them very, very dear. That they are right and others are wrong. And they want what they want and they're justified in wanting it. And other people's suffering is of no importance. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Only my feelings matter. Only what I want matters. It's like I remember years ago... um, Black Lives Matter became in our awareness, very present. And I naively said, Yes, all lives matter. Of course, Black Lives Matter. All lives matter. And now I can see, Well, but that's not how people believe all lives matter. So we have to actually say, Black Lives Matter, Brown Lives Matter, all. Lives matter, yes, but we have to focus on these lives because so many people believe that they don't. And they actively believe that they don't. If they believed that black lives matter, they would not be killing black people in the street and rushing into their homes and killing them and feel justified and get away with it. It's murder. We have lynchings. People hanging from trees. It's not acceptable. Every one of us must work to end this. Yes, we work in our own mind. But we always do better work when we join together. See if you can have a friend that you can be a study buddy with. Maybe in your Course of Miracles group, you can go beyond studying a Course of Miracles and move into the practical application of it and look at where justice is the divine correction for injustice and recognize that justice will lead you to truth. Truth will lead you to magnificence, grandeur, Enormous opening vistas that will rise to meet you on the journey. The splendor of indescribable heights as you proceed. Go there in your study group. By the way, you can list your study group at com, And now's a perfect time to start a study group. Have you been thinking of that? We've got resources for you at... LivingAcourseOfMiracles.com. Yes. We've been talking about these things in our Sundays with Spirit, and I feel so moved because I was told uh, that someone who went to one of our services. Uh, when we went into our breakouts, because we do breakouts every week, uh, where people can discuss amongst themselves and share their ahas and insights among themselves. And in the breakout, someone said, I never turn on my camera in Zoom meetings. I never have. I've never felt safe. But today, I feel safe to turn on my camera with the other people in the breakout room. And they could have an honest conversation without fear for their safety it's hard for people who have lived a life of privilege to realize the level of fear that people who haven't had that people who have lived with these isms you know a lot of times uh, white people of privilege will not face these isms until they get old, and then they see the ageism. They see the isms for the first time, that now people don't care what they think so much because they're not attractive or things like that, especially if they have don't have a lot of means and money. They may not have realized it. You know, We see this all the time with people who are, particularly women who were very attractive when they were younger and now considered less attractive, and they traded on their attractiveness. They don't have that to trade on anymore. And now they feel at a loss and a lack. You see, spirit's always going to provide us the perfect learning. So if you look at where you feel less than, One of the ways that you can heal that, in fact, as I'm saying it, the Holy Spirit is saying, no, the only way you can heal it is through extending love to others. The only way it can be healed. And so we must forgive ourselves for all the ways that we've participated in the injustice and the unjust treatment of others. Because the where we haven't enacted laws, we haven't taken steps, we haven't spoken up, we haven't done anything. And people can say, well, that's, you know, that's not happening in my neighborhood. I don't see any of that in my neighborhood. Well, maybe you're not looking with God's eyes. And I'd like to encourage you not to discourage you. So extending love and compassion, find somebody in your world and just begin with them. Begin with that one person who can who can be helped. It's like that story I heard told of Mother Teresa. She was on some talk radio show and they said, Mother Teresa, we'd really like to help you. How can we help you? And she said, no, you don't have to help me. They are like, no, no, we really want to help you. We do. We believe in your cause. We want to help the poor people of the world. How can we help you help the poor people of the world? And she knew they were just looking to give some money. And she said, as they persisted, she said, all right, you really want to help? Get up at 4 o'clock in the morning. Go out into your neighborhood and see who's sleeping on the street. Who doesn't have a bed? Who doesn't have a home? Who doesn't have a meal? And go help that person. You will be helping me if you do that, right? And you just know they went, right, yeah, okay, that's one plan. Now, another plan might be we could write you a check. We could pay by credit card, right? So I understand that. I've participated in all of that. And I'm glad that I have because I've learned from it. And now I know what heals my heart is to help my brothers and sisters by extending love, compassionate listening, not making them wrong, not trying to change their mind. Because I know that if I listen with the right intention to be a healing presence, to be the teacher of God that I'm intended to be, and to represent the one who sent me, That me resting in my loving heart, listening with true compassion and willingness to understand that the other person will heal simultaneously because the Holy Spirit is there in the midst of us. And so this is why my work is about all of us together training ourselves To be truly helpful. And to eliminate everything that gets in the way. It's training. Masterful living is training. Finding freedom from fear. My spiritual boot camp is training. Stop playing small. My online retreat that starts this week. It's training. And I have $500 off right now. If you do stop playing small and finding freedom together. Let's do this. Let's train ourselves to be truly helpful and not let anything get in the way. We are in the moment we've been waiting for, and we are the ones we're waiting for. If you like this broadcast, please consider a supporting donation. Thank you. (laughs) I'm going to pray. So grateful and so thankful for the infinite love, the pure intelligence that's guiding us always. So grateful and so thankful that divine justice is ours now and forever. We share the benefits with everyone because we're one with them. In gratitude, we allow the healing to be. We know it's done, and so it is. Amen, amen, amen. I love you. Have a great rest of you. What.